Okay, hello everybody. Today is Friday, and anything goes Friday. Welcome to the show. This is the day when any subject is fair game, but Wednesday is the Ask Me Anything segment, and during the last day of May, I was talking about the Son of Sam just a little bit, and I also mentioned that in the past, somebody had requested a book discussion on The Ultimate Evil by Maury Terry. There is a docu-series that is available on Netflix called Sons of Sam that I was able to make it through. It had, um, well, I guess you'd say, when I was originally informed about it, I was told that it was about Maury Terry and the ultimate evil. The long story short is someone said there's a docu-series on Netflix about Maury Terry, and I decided to check it out, but it starts uh, mostly talking about David Berkowitz who was uh, convicted for the Son of Sam slayings from the 1970s. And I have to tell you very clearly that I think it's 100% understandable that they would do a docu-series on the ultimate evil or Maury Terry by first setting the stage. Who was David Berkowitz? How and why did he commit these crimes? I mean, you could use the word allegedly because Maury Terry believed that David Berkowitz did not commit all of the Son of Sam slayings. But I have to confess that I am not interested in David Berkowitz at all as a person. I don't find him fascinating in the slightest. I was so much more compelled by what Maury Terry had to offer, because David Berkowitz is a scumbag. He's a slimeball. He is a useless human. And Maury Terry was someone who wanted to go beyond the conventional narrative in The Son of Sam murders, and look at how they could be connected to a larger series of events, and perhaps even some type of nationwide murder spree, or what I call the shadow network of cult-like activity. Is there this underground movement that leads people to commit atrocious activities such as murder, or ritualistic slayings that are going on around the country, or even if some of the darker elements come into play, are there global elite connections to this that, well, why are these people committing these types of slayings? And then what would be the motivation for that? Are some of them being videotaped? And then who would they be videotaping them for? Well, they're filming these murders and then they're selling these snuff films to members of very elite and prestigious circles in the United States of America, perhaps the government, the military, mega-rich individuals. All of it seems to come together. It's what I call the shadow network of cult-like activity. But first, I would um, I would like to talk about a lot of the material that was mentioned in that Netflix documentary. But this is not a traditional documentary review or movie review of any kind. So if you haven't watched that yet, I do recommend it. But please stay tuned because I will try to make this um, episode done in a way in which we'll focus more on David Berkowitz and Maury Terry, as well as some of the other crimes, particularly the activities of the Manson family in the late 1960s. So I want this to be available to everyone. And then a lot of people have been sharing Manny Grossman's YouTube channel with me. He has a lot to say about the Son of Sam slayings, and he is actually doing these walking tours of the crime scenes where they took place and where the murders were committed in Untermeyer Park and so on. I highly recommend his channel as well. And then I will talk about some of my own observations learning about the son of Sam and David Berkowitz. I learned about Berkowitz because of 
the world because of the media. He is a very famous serial killer, but if you were to go up to the average person and just ask them, who are the top five serial killers you can think of, I don't think David Berkowitz would come to mind. Or even if you were to go up to somebody who wasn't extremely familiar with true crime, and you would say, hey, do you know who David Berkowitz is? They would probably say, oh yeah, he's like that famous lawyer, right? I don't know if um he is even a complete household name in the United States of America. The son of Sam murders. Yeah, people would know that. But um, I definitely heard some things about David Berkowitz growing up, and I said this on Wednesday's AMA. There was a movie called Summer of Sam that was heavily promoted when I was a kid, and they talked about how there's this guy who is going around and shooting people with a forty-four caliber gun. Okay, that would have been the first thing that I would have had as my primer into the Son of Sam. And they that that movie was even just making somewhat of a humorous statement that Reggie Jackson, the baseball player, was the person responsible for the murders because it was a forty-four caliber gun and Reggie Jackson wore the number forty-four. But as I began to learn more about the true crime world, getting into the Zodiac Killer, Charles Manson, I encountered the name Maury Terry. And there was this series of videos. It's like a short film series, almost like a short TV show that was put out on none other than James Franco's YouTube channel. I don't know if he was behind some video project, but I watched all of those last year, and that talked all about Maury Terry and the Ultimate Evil, and they did this um, interview reenactment where Maury Terry is interviewing David Berkowitz privately in prison, and it's not meant to show like it was some televised interview like he did multiple times. In real life, it said it's just he's visiting David Berkowitz in prison, and he says, David Berkowitz, you did not commit all of the Son of Sam murders. The symbol that was used by the Son of Sam, your Son of Sam symbol, was found before at the murder site of a woman named Arliss Perry in California. And if you even Google the murder of Arliss Perry, which we'll talk about later on in the episode and all of the new developments that took place in that case, but that was a gateway into the shadow network of cult-like activity, looking at how there's this ritualistic slaying that goes into place. When I said you should Google it, that would mean that those words would come up, ritualistic slaying, ritualistic murder, and it was um something that's involving a house of worship, candles were involved, all sorts of things that would be conventionally, conventionally associated with a ritualistic crime. But there's a lot to say about that. And then that is one of the crimes that becomes almost like, okay, well, you have this in California, and you have this in New York. Well, the only explanation could be the shadow network of cult-like activity. And then Charles Manson would get involved in as well as there's there might be a link between David Berkowitz and Charles Manson and there might be links among the three of those events the Manson family the son of Sam and the murder of Arliss Perry okay so that was what I was expecting to learn more about 
And as far as talking about David Berkowitz as a serial killer, I would actually like to devote a, a, a little bit of time to the victims and first just say off their names. On the 29th of July, 1976, was the shooting of Donna Loria and Jody Valenti. Donna Loria died and Jody Valenti was wounded. On the uh, 23rd of October, 1976, Carl DeNaro was shot and Rosemary Keenan was shot at but unwounded. On the 27th of November, 1976, was the shooting of Donna Damasi and Joanne Lamino. On the 30th of January, 1977, was the murder of Christine Freund and the shooting of John Deal. On the 8th of March, 1977, was the slaying of Virginia Voskarichian, excuse me if I butchered her pronunciation of her name, and then on the 16th of April, 1977, was the murder of Valentina Suriani and Alexander Isau. On the 25th of June, 1977, was the shooting of uh, Salvatore Lupo and Judy Placido. And then on the 31st of July, 1977, was the murder of Stacy Moskowitz and the shooting of Bobby Violante. Okay, so first, a big rest in peace to the victims. And I would like to thank Murderpedia for those uh, stats that have just been read off right there. They also attribute two more crimes to David Berkowitz. The stabbing of an unknown female on Christmas Eve of 1975 and... The, um, there were actually two victims that were stabbed from behind on that day. Both uh, One of them was identified, though, as Michelle Foreman, age 15. So, But there were um, Michelle Foreman and another unidentified female stabbed on Christmas Eve of 1975. Another thing that I had been introduced to previously prior to watching anything on YouTube or Netflix or reading up on this year was that David Berkowitz was someone who was described as a sexually motivated serial killer, although he didn't touch the victims or move their bodies or have a lot of physical contact with the victims. With most sexually motivated serial killers, there's a lot of physical contact. Many of them will even target sex workers for numerous reasons. It's not only the physicality, but they want to have sex with their victim first and then murder them. Yes, but they can also lure the sex worker to a secluded area, even if it's something as simple as a bedroom, and then they can have sexual access to the person, but then they can also kill the person when no one else is around. David Berkowitz didn't seem to be operating like that. When I was watching Dr. Todd Grande's assessment of the Zodiac Killer, he brought up David Berkowitz, saying that the Zodiac Killer actually reminded him of David Berkowitz in that the crimes were sexually motivated, even though the victims were not sexually assaulted. And with David Berkowitz, there seems to be a larger psychological problem going on. And they briefly touched upon this in perhaps the first episode of that Netflix special when they just, I mean, you could say they just glossed over it. I mean, they just glazed over it, rather. And it was that David Berkowitz was adopted. And he tried to reconnect with his adoptive mother, or sorry, with his birth mother. I mean, he was adopted. 
he tried to reconnect with his birth mother in his adult years, and she rejected him. He didn't know that he had been adopted for the majority of his life. And this can be something that is very traumatic for certain people. I'm first re reminded of the serial killer Paul Bernardo, who was known as the Scarborough Rapist, and he went on to become one half of the Ken and Barbie killers. The other half with it was his female accomplice, Carla Homolka, who may have even been more sociopathic than he was. But he was a serial killer who had a similar experience. He spent the majority of his life thinking that he was the biological son of his parents and then learned that he was adopted. And it's, it seemed like some earth-shattering news to him. Ted Bundy also experienced something very similar, although it wasn't exactly an adoption. It was instead that he learned that his sister was actually his biological mother and that she was simply just playing the role of his older sister, but in reality, she was his biological mother, and they had lied to him all throughout his life. This is what I call the shattering of the pillars of childhood, where somebody has this expectation that this is something that is meant to be keeping me safe. These people are individuals who are supposed to be keeping me safe, and then they find out that that the connection that they had to that person is a lie or that is isn't true and they don't want to comprehend it okay we didn't tell you because we wanted to protect you we thought that it would be more beneficial to your life and your upbringing if you were to believe this that they are your biological parents or that your sister is um well actually your birth mother we want to hide that from you and they think that um, perhaps the fictitious story would be more beneficial to the child, but when the fictitious story is exposed as such, then it can have some devastating effects on people. However, if anybody were to be driven to murder, then they would also have some other type of uh, pre-existing psychological issue. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a combination of factors, like all aspects of human psychology. I started using the phrase, the shattering of the pillars of childhood, after I learned about the murderer Daniel Marsh, who committed a double homicide, and he had a traumatic experience in his childhood when his mother developed a homosexual relationship with his kindergarten teacher, and she left the family to to um, have that affair with the kindergarten teacher, and then they ran off together and abandoned um him and the, the marriage broke up with his uh, father. So then that's the, that's when I started using that phrase. It's almost as if the pillars of his childhood were shattered. His kindergarten teacher and his mother had walked out on him. So you can see how this can affect somebody's psychology in a very, very um, negative way. But um, if you ever do get a chance to watch the Sons of Sam um, expose that they have on Netflix or um, look into the case a little bit more, they will, there are many things will try and deviate from that because I think other people are also very fascinated with Maury Terry in trying to look at the links that could exist between some of these true crime cases, whether it's um, Charles Manson, the murder of Arliss Perry, or could there possibly be multiple shooters in the Son of Sam case with the Zodiac Killer? I talk very frequently about multiple killers, but one person could have committed those crimes very easily, Jack the Ripper as well. But with the Son of Sam slayings that took place in the 1970s, David Berkowitz would go on to confess later in life that 
he didn't commit all of the crimes. Maury Terry, the author of The Ultimate Evil, was very suspicious that um, of David Berkowitz's involvement, but Berkowitz openly confessed to committing two of the shootings, saying that he was present for all of them, but that he didn't actually commit all of the crimes that he was nearby or that um, he had knowledge of them, but he didn't actually commit all of the shootings. And um, a lot of people completely disagree with uh, Maury Terry's hypothesis that there are multiple shooters or that there is um, any sort of greater satanic presence and or there is any type of ritualistic slaying going on or that there's going to be a cult introduced called the children or there will be connections to the process church people simply think that okay there's this guy david berkowitz he um grew up with somewhat of a unfortunate upbringing he had that shattering of the pillars of childhood he also had some bad experiences serving in the military and he had a feeling of sexual inadequacy. This is how you get to the angle of how David Berkowitz could have had some type of sexual motivation to commit these crimes, but he um, was not do dealing with lots of molestation or raping the victims or any type of sexual assault to the women involved, but still is a sexually motivated serial killer. Sexual inadequacy. And, I mean, they said it clear as day in the uh, Netflix special that one of the reasons why a forty four caliber was gun was used is because it could have been a larger type of bullet, and that's meant to represent some type of masculine insecurity. I don't know about that type of stuff, but David Berkowitz tried to connect with his birth mother, and that didn't go well. All right, so how does this relate to the actions that would take place with the Son of Sam slayings? Some people would simply be like, well, what did he want? To be with women. Who was he angry at? His mother. Is his mother a male or a female? Oh, she's a female. She's a woman. Boom. There you go. So he wants to be with women, and he's angry at his mother. So there's this type of feminine desire, but also um, a lot of animosity, curiosity, and rage toward the female aspect of everything, because the parents can be viewed as the biggest influences on our upbringing, mental structure, or just the desire to connect with our parents in some ways. And they're Freudian psychologists, and they're people who think that that stuff is absolute nonsense and that it's just superstitious thinking. So it's not set in stone. It's not a pure science. But um, I can totally comprehend how some people would lay out a case that the crimes that were committed by David Berkowitz or the Son of Sam, the Sons of Sam group, were sexually motivated in, in some way. It's just that the victims were not moved or touched or assaulted. So in regards to the to the ultimate evil, I would like to read the book description that has been made available. On August 10th, 1977, the New York Police Department arrested David Berkowitz for the Son of Sam murders that had terrorized New York City for over a year. Berkowitz confessed to shooting 16 people and killing six with a 44 caliber bulldog revolver, and the case was officially closed. Journalist Maury Terry was suspicious of Berkowitz's confession, 
spurred by conflicting witness descriptions of the killer and clues overlooked in the investigation, Terry was convinced that Berkowitz didn't act alone. Meticulously gathering evidence for a decade, he released his findings in the first edition of The Ultimate Evil. Based upon the evidence he had uncovered, Terry theorized that the Son of Sam attacks were masterminded by a Yonkers-based cult that was responsible for other ritual murders across the country. After Terry's death in 2015, documentary filmmaker Josh Zaman was given access to Terry's files which would form the basis of the Netflix docuseries and a companion podcast taken together with The Ultimate Evil, which includes a new introduction by Zaman. These works reveal something stunning, insurrections of power, wealth, privilege, and evil in America from the summer of Sam until today. Now, about the witness descriptions, this is relevant to so many true crime cases, solved or unsolved. They have many composite sketches of the Son of Sam, and they all have something different about them. None of them seem to, um, will capture David Bergwitz immediately. Some of them look like childish drawings that a five-year-old would have made with a crayon. I mean, they are not detailed at all. They're not helpful at all. And then others, um, okay, they look a little bit more like Berkowitz, and then one of them in particular seems to resemble a different individual whom we haven't mentioned yet, but we'll talk about him later, named John Carr. Maybe others are depictions of other people. Now, firstly, David Berkowitz did confess to two of the shootings. Did he actually commit them all? I mean, he only confessed to two of them, but he was convicted. And this is a little bit more than alleged, like, oh, I was just watching uh, this one, uh, oh, a fictional drama show, and someone says, allegedly somebody did this, and it's like, no, he was convicted of it. it even if you think he didn't do it, it's not really alleged. But um, when we look at the Golden State Killer, I frequently point out that the composite sketches that they had of Joseph D'Angelo were not perfect. Many of them had some facial features that were exact, and if they had put them all together in some type of combined composite, perhaps they would have had a much more accurate depiction of the guy. But I felt that every single composite was just a little bit off. Okay, maybe one has the eyes a little bit better, one has the jawline a little bit better, and you could um, apply that type of thinking to the Zodiac Killer mystery, or any case in which there are multiple eyewitness sightings of the same person, and people aren't always the best at telling um, facial features of someone who they are seeing for a, a quick second. And especially if they aren't sitting down and focus, okay, now I need to remember what this person's face looks like. If you're seeing somebody just passing you on the street, especially after a high-intensity situation, that's not the first thing that the average person would think about. And I know that this is purely unimportant, not important in any single way, but every time I look at David Berkowitz, I think that he looks like a sheep. I mean, am I looking at a person or a longhorn sheep? I don't know why that comes to mind. It's just 
that must be his spirit animal or something. Or you could say even the black sheep of the children. Well, maybe I'm completely off by that first challenge question, and I don't mean to make light of this because I do seriously believe this. Do you think David Berkowitz looks like a sheep? And if you'd like to hear more about the ultimate evil, Maury Terry, and this larger shadow network of cult-like activity, please stay tuned right after this quick message.